All right, so it's number three for me. Right on. Yeah, this is Dan speaking here, Danny's uh, Musical Chats. Uh, number three episode. Yeah, just getting started on this whole thing, and it's it's taking form. Uh, I've spoken a lot about the uh, current situation around here uh, in the world, actually, but particularly in Vancouver around uh, adapting in the musical scene, you know, either as a player or a musician, singer, or as a um, an audience member, person, a musical appreciator, to this whole new situation of COVID, um, which has definitely changed everything. Um, but today, or it's actually tonight, <laughs> um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about some other stuff that's uh, not directly related to that, but has been suggested to me. I was uh, talking to my friend Shona Ellis, who's a good friend of mine who uh, is also quite a supporter of the music and the arts community in this in Vancouver and she said you know she's known me for quite a few years uh, in bands and socially and for many conversations and she's observed that I have quite a long history in music um, having started many many years ago when I was just a teenager uh, in Winnipeg in 1966 I was in my very first band and uh, so I've been through quite a lot of uh, experience and met a lot of people and many stories have flowed, you know, over the years um, with various people. And Shona was just saying to me, he said, you know, with all the stuff and memories you have and that, maybe perhaps you could tap into that stuff and share some of that stuff and maybe uh, even get, you know, in my case, I think I've thought about it after she said that, that perhaps, you know, people who are listening who may either know me or know about the kind of scenes that I'm talking about or some of the people I'm talking about could get back and make, um, you know, their own comments and, and, and insights into uh, um, these things known to me on my Facebook uh, because that's the only way you can really respond to me on this thing at present anyway. So I'll give you my Facebook. It's Daniel Joseph Casavant, C-A-S-A-V-A-N-T. So you can send comments there, you know, regarding, you know, Danny's musical chats, <laughs> um, you know, re-episode number three or whatever. Anyway, what I'd like to talk about is how I came to Vancouver today. I'm going to talk about that. Now, I had a long history in Winnipeg playing, like I say, back to 66 and I, you know, I played many bands, uh, different situations, etc. And I was fairly successful there. I was doing a lot of recording studio work and playing with a lot of singer-songwriters, making records, all that junk, jingles. But I, I made a couple of trips out here. Um, starting around 1980, uh, I came out because, uh, well, various reasons, personal reasons. My mom was out here, um, you know personal relationships, people I knew. Um, so but it was really just as a, as, a, as a break, as a holiday. And I came out a couple of times and spent time. But in that time, though, I um, went down uh, on several occasions down to Gastown. And I was just blown away by the scene. Anybody who's lived in Vancouver uh, who goes back to that time period, uh, who was going out and hanging out, will remember how incredibly vibrant Gastown was in terms of music and nightlife. 
there was places like the spinning wheel, the anchor, you know, the town pump, uh, you know, the Savoy. Uh, it went on and on, you know. There was just so many different places you could go. And I'd never really seen this. I'd been out here in 73 for about eight months playing in a band. Uh, but, you know, that was like, you know, <laughs> a decade almost before. And um, it was kind of a different thing because I was always playing. This was, I was just a tourist, a musical tourist. And I go down there and who do I hear? I hear Powder Blues, I hear Jim Burns, I hear Al Foreman, I hear Doc Fingers. I hear all of these people. Uh, uh, oh, um, I'm trying to think who, uh, um, David Raven was another one. I remember David Raven and uh, Billy Cowsill and all these really great people that were out here playing and, you know, playing in the bars. And um, so I thought, you know, man, this is really cool. I love playing. I love playing in Winnipeg. I got quite a life back there. But it planted a seed that, you know, wow, this is pretty cool. I'm going to come back again. And I came back and forth a couple of times before um, I finally came to a decision. It was a difficult decision because I had a lot of friends that still do in Winnipeg and a lot of musical connections and things like that. But I guess I was I was young enough uh, at that point, I think I was around 30, 31 years old when I was starting to think like this, that I got the itch that, you know what, I think I could, think I could hang in this city. I think I could come out here and do some playing. And I had done a little bit of jamming even before I'd even really moved here. So I had a little bit of a taste and there was a few people I knew out here that was we're at Winnipeggers and people from Edmonton uh, sat in down at the Anchor down in Gastown a bit with Chris Norquist and Doc Fingers and those guys. So I had a taste and I made the decision to come out. And what I observed was an incredible scene. I mean, I was mentioning it kind of earlier in my yakking here, but it was really amazing. And if you weren't there, you wouldn't know. Apparently, it had even been stronger before I moved out, like in the, or it was really strong in the latter 70s. Um, and it went on and on and on and on. It, it, it uh, definitely changed, and that's going to be part of what I'm talking about here as to how things went. Um, I moved here permanently in 83, even though I, I did go back and do the odd gig in Winnipeg. It settled in. And at that point, um, you know, I was a gigging guy, but I'd saved a bit of money, so I had a little bit of free time in the initial times just to sort of get my feet wet and look around. I took a course, and took some jazz theory and stuff, courses up at Capilano College, it was then, not university, and uh, met some people and hung out a bit. And it was pretty loose and goose, loosey-goosey, and I wasn't really doing anything particularly except jamming and sitting in. Um, but at a certain point, I reconnected uh, with a really old friend of mine from Winnipeg, who's a great musician, singer, a uh, guy by the name of Bob White, who I'd actually played with back in Winnipeg. We'd actually shared a house at one point. We're old buddies, basically, and uh, the guy's a monster player and singer. But he was at loose ends. He'd come out here about a year before I did. Um, and he'd uh, played with various people. He played with... Uh, some of the guys from Adam's band, they called it Spare Parts. It was uh, Dave Taylor and um, various different guys that were like, you know, floating around rock guys. 
and he played with uh, the last version of Stonebolt, which they called Deadbolt at that point, because <laughs> uh, it was pretty much done. And he, he, he you know, was really great musician and that, but he wasn't really had anything regular. And I was kind of like, you know, thinking, you know, I'd like to do something, but, you know, it's really hard to just sort of infiltrate the scene here. You know, maybe we'll just start playing a bit together. Bob and I decided we would, uh, we would play. Um, it happened kind of weirdly, actually. Um, I'd gotten to be friends with uh, um, Linda Kidder, whose name in those days I think was Linda Hunt. That uh, was her original name. And uh, was a great singer, sang with Katie Lang later. and Amazing. Just a great person, too. And uh, a guy named Dan Smith, who was just a killer guitar player. He'd been in a group called Six Cylinder which was one of the first bands I heard when I came out here to listen when I met around 80 or so. Anyway, we were friends, and it turned out that uh, Dan and, and uh, Linda had um, a duo. I said duo, right? You know, <laughs> been in bands my whole life. I've never played in a duo, I don't think. Well, I, no, that's not true. I had done the odd duo thing over the years, but it was a whole different sort of thing they were doing. They were working all the time, uh, doing a thing with a drum machine and, and whatever, and they talked to us, talked to me about it. And Bob and I were over at a party one night um, at this place, and uh, where they were, and a bunch of other people from Doug and the Slugs, and a bunch of people. I was hanging with some good people, and uh, the, and Dan and Linda said, "Well, we're doing this gig at a place called the Mister Sport on Kingsway," and uh, so Bob and I said, "Well, we'll come out and check it out and hang out, have a couple of drinks, whatever." So we go out there, and uh, Dan and Linda get up there, and man, they are so good. They were called Phil and the Blanks. <laughs> Great name. Phil was their drum machine. They were the Blanks. Drum Phil, you get it? Joke. Anyway, they were really funny and really good musically. And so Bob and I were like listening and thinking, you know, back and forth, yak, this is great. And I don't know, one or the other of us sort of figured out that said to the other, I don't know how it all went, I can't really remember, but that, yeah, we could do this too. So... Uh, I had been playing and jamming a bit at that point. I wasn't, we hadn't, didn't have anything formed. We were just hanging out socially. And uh, I was playing at the Anchor one night, uh, the Anchor down in Gastown, sitting in with Doc and those guys. And a guy was there and he really liked my guitar playing. And he says, I've got this new, uh, I've got a restaurant and I need entertainment. To, to, but I need, you know, something smaller than this band. Like I just need a little duo or something. He says, and I just said, well, yeah, I've got a duo. <laughs> there was no duo. But I knew it was immediately easy for us to do it. So um, I said, yeah. And I agreed to it. And I gave Bob a call. We went down to Long McQuaid and we, uh, we uh, bought a drum machine and got a small rented little PA for this gig. And uh, literally, it was at this place called the v Vineyard or something. It was a restaurant on um, on. 4th Avenue, I believe. Yeah, on 4th Avenue. Anyway, the long and the short of it <laughs> was we got there, you know, and, you know, we've been playing our whole lives, basically. We're veteran players, so, you know, Bob was pretty good with PAs and technical, so he opens up the, literally opened up the box with the drum machine and got the manual out and started figuring it out while we're setting up. Well, long and the short of it is we did the gig just, you know, pulling out tunes, like, you know, Dock of the Bay, Beatle tunes, Everly Brothers tunes, Everything that we kind of knew, I was just playing acoustic, he was playing, oh no, I was playing acoustic and electric, and he was playing bass, and we both sang. He was a lead singer. 
And we were a hit. We ended up getting a bunch of gigs there. And that was the beginning of me plugging into the gig scene in Vancouver. And, and Bob as well, you know, you know, outside of having done sort of, you know, looser sort of, you know, put together type of things, we decided we were actually going to commit to the thing. And, um, you know, it didn't happen overnight, but, you know, we got these little gigs in neighborhood pubs and, you know, people like Dan and Linda helped us out and guys, you know, different people that we were getting to know supported us and gave us introduction to, to gigs. We played places like, uh, Carlos and Buds and all of these places, you know, Lindsay Mitchell actually who was playing with Billy, uh, 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 got got us a gig at that place called Carlos and Buds, which you probably have no idea what it is, but there was a whole whack of these little gigs. It was a huge circuit, is what it was. So, um, being the kind of entrepreneurial guy that I am, <laughs> I took it on to be the promoter of the thing, and you know we got promo pictures taken, got cards. We did the whole thing, you know, we got all dressed up for our photos and um, it was great, man. It was like a re, it was like a re, um, a restart of sorts, you know, after having been quite established in another city and really being just a small fish, but one that people recognized that, you know, me and Bob could do it, you know, we were all right, you know, we could do it and we were very good together uh, and it's something I'll always remember. We ended up playing from 83 basically till 90, a um, little bit more on occasion in 91, or yeah, a little bit, but not a whole lot, but, you know, and then we much later got together, but that's another story that I'll tell you later, but I just want to say that Vancouver, moving out here was a huge leap for me, but I, it was a very, very good thing, I, I've, I've made so many musical friends, and played so many years, um, now at 69 I can look back on it and I can say yeah it's been it's been a, what is what a strange long trip it's been as the Grateful Dead say um, anyway on that note that's just a little bit of reminiscing about how I got out here and you know the people I've met and uh, uh, it's just it, it may seem like it's an ultra personal thing but I'm curious what other other musicians out there who have memories of those days and other people, you know, people that aren't musicians who remember the days of Gastown and the neighborhood pubs, the eighties, you know, going into Expo, um, you know, let's, let's make it the eighties we're talking about here. Uh, see what, what memories come up. So don't be shy. Go to my Facebook, Daniel Joseph Cassavant. That's me, C-A-S-A-V-A-N-T. And leave your, leave your thoughts and uh, whatever, just your reflections. So we'll see you the next time. It's uh, Danny's Musical Chats signing off. Well, Merry Christmas. December 25 has come by again. So here it is. And it's a much different Christmas, but it's still Christmas. And uh, it's worth celebrating in the way we, however we can do it. Um, it's been an interesting uh day for me and uh leading up to it and what's going to be happening over the season is going to be interesting a lot of memories a lot of reconnecting with people um a lot of uh just different perspectives on how this is so different um certainly uh challenging for a lot of people and some people are having a real hard time with it and some people are just rolling with it i'm somewhere in between i think 
Um, you know, I had a pretty good day today. Uh, didn't expect it to be that good a day, actually. It turned out a lot better than I expected. I was kind of planning that, yeah, I was going to be low-key. I'd stay at home, watch some movies, you know, that kind of thing, eat too much food, which I always do anyway. Oh, man, it's rough. <laughs> Christmas is tough on a person like me who eats too much, I'll tell you. Anyway, at least I'm not drinking or taking drugs, which is, you know, a blessing. And I'm thankful for that. Uh, however, you know, <laughs> COVID kilos are a real thing. Uh, anyway, as I was saying, I wasn't really expecting, you know, it to be that, you know, much of a personal thing as much as maybe online you know of course online everybody's sharing their uh season's greetings and uh you know music and whatever um as a matter of fact i i just finished doing a thing with a really, my really good friend ken stewart uh, who i've done some recording with in the past and uh we haven't for quite a while actually but he decided uh, that he wanted to do something for christmas he wanted to record something and about a week or so ago, he sent me um, a recording of him playing uh, on his acoustic, on his Taylor acoustic, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. But just the chord changes, and you know, a beautiful uh, fingerstyle thing. Um, and he asked me if I was interested in, in maybe playing uh, the melody and, and, you know, embellishing and playing the top of the thing. Um, and earlier this week, I figured, you know what, I think I could do that. So I said, yeah, and uh, it turned out pretty good. Actually, it turned out really good. You know, it has its little bits of uh, challenge. I, I did it in the, in that method I've been doing with uh, um, with my work I've been doing with Dana Honey, which is doing all of the old um, 60s tunes that I've been doing. I've been doing all of the recording on my end using my cell phone, which is completely bizarre. Uh, but strangely working, <laughs> I just prop it up and I play, uh, or I sing. In this case with Ken, um, same method, same idea, um, and the tune, I wanted to do it, I wanted to do something a little bit more elaborate than just playing the straight melody and single notes, but I figured, you know what, with short time here and working out the kind of thing I want to work out, this might be kind of like, almost impossible for me to pull off and I wanted it to be as you know being the Virgo that I am if you believe in that kind of nonsense um, you know I'm not a perfectionist but I am a little bit you know picky as which is a guitar player should be picky I guess <laughs> anyway what I did is I did it phrase by phrase and worked on it so that it was executed pretty much perfectly and, um, you know, I mean, I did my best. It's not perfect, but I did my best. And, and then, you know, sent those individual things with the numbers, you know, where it was and how long, you know, whatever, all that stuff to Ken. And Ken put it onto the, uh, onto the uh, recording that he had done and, you know, assembled everything that I did. And I did everything from top to bottom in a bunch of little chunks. You know, I don't know if this makes any sense to people that don't know much about recording, but essentially what it is is that you have layers of people playing parts. It's not like, you know, you all play together at one time. Uh, one person does a part and another person does a part on top of that, etc. In this case, only two people. 
me and Ken. So I'm thinking, yeah, this is a pretty cool thing and challenging. Uh, because the piece doesn't follow follow a hundred percent straight meter, which means equal time or tempo, actually, it it has its what they call uh, rubato and uh, and retard, uh, which is not you know like Borat saying retard. It's not like that. It actually just means to slow down. There's a big you know I'm a politically incorrect word. It's spelled differently, by the way. Anyway. So, it's challenging because you're not in the room with the other person where they can cue you physically to, it's coming, it's going to slow down, or it's going to speed up, it's going to do this. It's almost like when you watch a symphony, you know, and you see the conductor conducting things. You know, he's conducting tempo changes as well and cues. So, this is the kind of thing where it's, that's not possible. So, you have to do it basically on an intuitive level and on a you're almost like rolling the dice in some cases but you anyway I pulled it off amazingly and it wasn't easy believe me I had one point where I thought I'm not going to finish this thing I felt so weird I'd done so much but as it turned out it all worked out and Ken did a wonderful job of um, you know putting it into the mix and working it and uh, producing it. He put down some uh, key strings, some very subtle but beautiful stuff, and he, he married it up with a bunch of images, like um, he made like a, a visual collage that he put along with um, the music and sync, put them together, and he uh, shared it on Facebook, and and then he also put it up on, on YouTube. And uh, <clears throat> you know, if you're interested, it's uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, Ken Stewart. Um, you'll be able to find that. Ken Stewart, he might have mentioned my name too, Danny Cassavant. But definitely if you go on YouTube, you can find it, I'm pretty sure. Um, pretty pleased with it, and people have really enjoyed it. Um, so that was part of my Christmas experience, um, a big part. And it connects you up with people and you put it up on there and you make your thoughts, you know. During COVID, you know, the thing about this Christmas being so different is that, you know, if you are towing the line, which you should, um, you're not going out and you're not going to parties, you're not hanging out with large groups of people. Not like we did, you know, in the past. I mean, you know, Christmas for me has never been like, you know, I don't have any, any kids, but I got my brother and I got some really great friends and my great friends will put on, you know, parties. They're quite civilized parties. They're not like, sh you know, shit-faced drunk parties, which I have no time for. They're really beautiful gatherings of people that have happened every year. Um, unfortunately, this year, that's just not possible. So, it being not possible, we find other ways, right? And uh, other ways are using, you know... Even what I'm doing right now, doing my podcast, which I do anyway, you know, I'm celebrating Christmas and I'm putting out all my best to everybody who happens to be listening that Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, hope a hopeful new year. You know, it's uh, these are hard times and they're going to be hard times for quite some time. We know that. But now's the time to sort of be, you know, let your hearts be light, like my friend Ronnie Jones says. Let your hearts be light. I like that. Uh, and then, of course, Christmas is also... Let your wallet be light. 
I'm, I'm bad. But, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, you do what you can do. And uh, so you connect, you share, um, you do what you can. And uh, today turned out, like I said earlier, different than I expected. Like I say, I thought I was just going to sit around and eat and watch movies and whatever. As it turned out, my brother called me. And his plans had changed somewhat. Um, so he was available to get together. I said, oh, man, how cool is this? Um, so I said, well, sure, let's do it. So we had a coffee together and had a really good talk. And then we went and we had some uh, Japanese food. It was really good. And we had a really good visit. And the other thing that happened was really cool is my uh, my uh, old friend Lori Coyle, you know, my old Winnipeg guitar and keyboard brilliant musician, crazy guy, friend. Um, we connected on the phone, which was great. And uh, we're going to get together tomorrow. We couldn't get together today uh, just for various reasons. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But we are getting together tomorrow, and it's, it is the Christmas season. The other thing that was totally unexpected is my friend uh, Cliff Lakes uh, was going to come down. He's originally from this area down the West End, so he kind of likes to come down here. And his 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 partner Magnolia, she was getting together with the uh, with her grandkids, so you know, with COVID rules, etc. You know, it's just the way it went that he was sort of at he was at liberty. So he came down, and he met up with me and my brother, and we're all socially distanced. We got our masks, the whole deal. You know, we're not idiots. <laughs> at least, well, not in that respect. Anyway, we might be idiots in a lot of other ways, but. It was really nice to visit, and uh, now I've come home, and uh, I'm just, I just thought it was time to make a Christmas uh, podcast, and uh, wish everybody the very, very best, and uh, just talk a little bit about my Christmas experience, um, making that music, you know, co connecting with my friends. Um, it's just, a, it's kind of a, it's kind of a special time. I miss the getting together with friends like like Kathy St. Germain and Mike Reno, really good friends. They threw a great party last year. And it's interesting. You go through your Facebook, uh, you know, one year ago thing, right? And you see all these pictures of all these parties. I mean, I'm big on taking pictures. Anybody who knows me, I'm big on pictures and videos. I'm kind of a weird history type of guy. Um, for whatever reason, I just love that kind of chronicling of things because you know what it's come in handy this year i'll tell you because i'm looking at the great pictures and the videos from that party and also from my friend shona ellis's party and uh dave and donna who throw a party uh roger and audrey who throw a party every year um you know and and just getting together pictures and pictures and because that stuff isn't possible this year you know it's just not in the in the game uh, with COVID-19, you can look back on this and it, you know, it's, it's a, I don't know, you can look at it as being maybe, you know, bittersweet, but I think it's sweet, really, an emphasis on the sweet because it makes you realize that these people, they're, they're part of your life and you connect with them on Facebook or you make a phone call or you send an email or you share a tune, whatever you do, you know, we can't do it in person. It's just the way it goes. It's sad, but true. So what do you do? You, you revisit some of the past. You get a kick out of like looking at these pictures and 
everybody together. And you think about, well, what can I do this year? How can I do it this year? And uh, so I'm spending a fair amount of my time, well, you know, just thinking about who who those people are and sending them messages and a lot, and they're sending me messages back. So it takes the, it's strange, you know, it's, 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 it's a difficult time of the year in general, particularly if you tend to not be as connected with people. If you don't have, well, not that so much that, but if say you don't have direct family, like I've got my brother and that's my family. I don't have a mom and dad. I don't have a wife and kids, you know, all of that stuff. I'm nobody's grandpa or nobody's uncle. So it's always a little bit melancholy for me every Christmas. But the thing that offsets it is the friendships and the really the extended family of my friends. And so that's, you know, always a thing that is really cool. I might sometimes not feel like being that social, but I always drag myself up. You know, I take a shower, shave, get myself looking half decent. Um, you know, this is my historical thing. Or in the days when I was playing all the time, you know, there was always playing the Christmas parties and uh, doing the gigs and you know, the New Year's Eve gig, you know, all of that. So the Christmas parties you'd play. All that stuff's in the past for me, uh, unfortunately, but and probably will be for the future at this point in my life. Uh, yeah, I'm good with that. But I guess what I'm saying is I do my very best this this season, and I would hope that everybody will do their best to sort of be together in a different way. It's not like it used to be. It hopefully will change. You know, who knows when? You know, it might be another, we don't know. COVID-19 changed the world. Now there's the new new um, mutations happening, etc. Let's not even go there. Let's just celebrate. I mean, it's it's it is it is difficult. Between that and you know looking down south and even within our own country, a lot of issues. But let's put it all on hold and let's celebrate Christmas, you guys, and uh, let your let your hearts be light and uh, peace, love on earth you know, to everyone. Um, so Merry Christmas and Danny's Musical Chat signing off right now. Take care of yourselves and take care of your, those you love.